Okay, and welcome back to Dynasty Kings. We are now on episode 16. If you're not already following us on our social medias, what the hell are you doing? Make sure you are following us at Dynasty King Kings Pods on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Luke, the other guy is Kyle, and today we're going to talk about one of the most exciting teams, in my opinion. I think Kyle shares the same opinion too, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Now, normally, I would give Kyle full reign to start with the players he loves, but I have something new to the podcast that I want to start out with. It is a player I love, but it's two players. That's Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. I couldn't just cover each of them and talk only about their corners, even though I'm so high on them. I needed to break down both guys. Both guys are in their pro- are two of the best coverage corners in the league and are now playing together. Both guys are pro bowlers. Both guys are perennial all-pro players. This DBs, the DBs they've put together are going to be lights out guys for years to come. These are the guys they're going to build their defense around. They don't need pick machines. These guys are going to swat passes like crazy. I know Kyle has said it before. The biggest mistake Dallas made was not re-signing Byron Jones. And the fact that Miami got him puts them right away in conversation for the best cornerback duo in football. If Xavier Howard can stay healthy, there's no way teams are going to want to pass on Miami. This team will shut you down. And I had to start talking about them because I love this combination. Yeah, it's uh it's a good combination to say the least. I definitely think I'm a little worried about Howard's health at this point in his career. Um last season was rough again for him and the season before he only played 12 games, but if he can come back, I mean Byron Jones is the pinnacle of health. That dude does not miss games. Um it's pretty insane how healthy he's been throughout his career. Uh, I think the duo is definitely going to be formidable to say the least and you know, you touched on the fact that I mentioned how, you know, it was a big mistake that the Cowboys didn't re-sign Byron Jones because if you look at like the top teams in the league, you look at an organization like the Patriots, let's just use them as an example. There would they they don't pay anybody, right? But the one position they always pay for and they're willing to pay for is cornerback. And we've seen that in the past. And, I mean, they have Gilmore, who's one of the highest paid corners in the league and the best corner in the league, arguably. Um, the only person who really is in his wheelhouse is Tredavious White, I would argue. Um, and the Miami is really using the Patriots' blueprint. And I think that's what you're going to find throughout this episode. They're making really smart moves. And I listened to something I think Cowherd said, and I can't believe I'm bringing up him again because we have brought him up a few times. So You know what? Yeah, he's funny. He reminds me of like Alex Jones. Like he says like 80% garbage, but then like there's like 20% facts in there that you're like, oh, let me feed that. Let me get those good, that good information out. Um, but what Cowherd said is like, so <clears throat> basically – their regime right now is very defensive-minded based, right? Um, 
Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're signing veterans who know how to play into the system. They don't know the offensive side of the ball as well. So they're drafting high-profile players on the offensive side of the ball as opposed to taking them on the defensive side of the ball. they rather have a proven veteran of five, six years on the defensive side of the ball who can get adjusted to their system as opposed to taking that on the offensive side of the ball. And that's how they're building up their team. They're taking a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball and then building up through veterans on the defensive side. Yeah, you know what? This defense is going to be scary good. I could talk about a lot of guys on the defensive side. I didn't I didn't put them on my list, but I do also want to shout out the Kyle Van Noy signing. Yeah. Because I think that is the perfect complement to young the other two young linebackers on that team and Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. Yeah, I think that's uh he'll be nice because he'll hopefully help them grow a little bit more. Um, I will shout out though, at least one of their defensive players who, in my opinion, outside of Jerome Baker, this, this might be the, the, the best of the rising young stars because they do have a lot of veteran presence, but there are some young kids on this team. The one thing I will say is I wish they added a little more help on the defensive line for this guy, but that's Christian Wilkins. Um, they did bring in some guys via free agency, but I don't want to talk about them right now because I'm going to rip one of their signings later on in the show as somebody who watched him firsthand for years. Um, but Wilkins, man, like, dude, if you watched him in college, he was one of the best defenders in Clemson history. Like, I mean, he's a freshman All-American, three-time All-American. Like, just like you look at his accolades, it's actually kind of ridiculous. I don't even want to list them all off. Um, but, you know, he entered the league last year and he struggled, man. Like he did not have a good first half of the season, but I think that could be said about all of Miami. Uh, They kind of cleaned house and um, there was a culture change and there was a lot of people there who didn't want to play. And you could tell week one when they got absolutely pummeled, but then you saw the transformation this team went. And I think the best example of that was when they beat the Patriots the last week of the season. And you were like, Holy crap, this team is night and day from what they were at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that, that can be applied to Wilkins because the second half of the season, he was one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the entire league. I'm not talking about just rookies. Like he was one of the best in the entire league. He has so much talent. He's this big boy. He just absolutely eats up the middle and he's listed as a D tackle still on all your fucking leagues, man. And he's a D end at this point. He's being switched to D end and on MFL flea flicker, all these other ones, he's a D tackle dude. This is, this is a DN being classified as a D tackle. This is a D tackle one. You understand that? Like, like that. I'm, I'm sure he'll be switched next year. Mm-hmm. But even with that, I, I know you love this guy, Luke. So I'll let you go off a little bit. What Christian Wilkins? Oh my god, man! <laughs> you know what? Like, look. You know how me and Kyle are always saying, like, we support guys who just seem like good guys. Yes, on and that's off him. He's hilarious. Too. He's hilarious. There, there is a video on the NFL Instagram. And it is literally Christian Wilkins talking trash. And it is the funniest thing I have ever heard in my life. The kid is hilarious. And not to mention, he is disruptive. Between him and was it Dexter Lawrence was the other one who was drafted, Dexter right? Lawrence was, to the yeah, was very good, too. Between, between him and Dexter Lawrence, you could be looking at two of the best defensive tackles in the league in the next three yeah, years. Yeah, well, not only that. Like, I mean, you got you got guys like Ed Oliver will definitely have a very good second year. And then if Quentin Williams can catch up to the rest, because I know he was the rawest of the rest, and he definitely proved it year one um, because he had a bit of a disappointment of season. But you look at that class now, and I mean, fuck, man. 
Like, that could be a crazy defensive line class, and especially in the interior yeah, middle, man. man. It, it's insane. I really like Wilkins. I think, I think in order to build around your defense, the positions that matter the most to me are a solid defensive tackle, a solid middle linebacker, and a solid cornerback. Yeah. And this team on the defensive side of the ball – has done wonders. At Agreed. Me. And Wilkins will be taking over, I think, a hybrid role, they were saying. So he'll still be playing, I guess, some D-tackle with a mixture of DN. So that should get his sacks up for UIDP, guys. Oh, easily, easily. I, I screwed over Kyle in one league we're doing a startup in right now and took Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence before he could even <laughs> touch a defensive tackle. It is what it is. I did, I did end up with that Oliver, so I'm not complaining. Um, anyway, so let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. They actually, you know what? We could talk all day about the defensive side of the ball, but I could also talk all day about the offensive side of the ball between the offensive linemen that they've added and the guys who are coming up. It's incredible. So I'm going to talk about Mike Giusecki. So when Travis Kelsey came into the league, a lot of people called him Gronk 2.0. And I agree with that. That was a good, good, like comparison. When I look at Mike Giusecki, he is a Zach Ertz 2.0 to me. The kid is fast. He can block decently. He is great in the middle of the field. He's a perfect check down player. Like the guy can basically do it all. And with Tua now throwing to him, who knows how many more yards this guy will do? Because unlike Ryan Fitzpatrick, this guy can throw cannons down the field. Mike Giusecki might tear up the middle of the field just catching cannons from Tua. I really like the addition. I think Mike Jacecki pops off. I know Kyle's high on him and we'll talk about him later too, but I think Mike Jacecki after this season is going to be a lock at the best tight end two. If not, he's crouching to tight end one. He is Zach Ertz 2.0. You heard it here first. Yeah, I like Giuseppe a lot. I like their young weapons in general. I think Giuseppe fits the bill of what you're looking for. I know when he came into 2018, a lot of people were disappointed. And even the beginning of 2019 was a disappointment. But just like Christian Wilkins and a lot of this Miami team, the second half of the season was just a complete turnaround for Giuseppe. Um, And I think we finally saw what he could be when he was getting fed the ball consistently and that was even with Mr. Psychopath everybody's favorite uh everybody's <laughs> favorite crazy man Ryan Fitzpatrick aka Jameis Winston 2.0 uh, <laughs> no, but no like seriously because I know you know he had 570 yards which doesn't sound I mean it's it's a solid season for a tight end but I I don't have the game by game breakdown but I would I would garner that majority of those yards came in the second half of the season because I know because I own him in a handful of leagues and I saw the difference between what he was in the beginning half and the second half and it was like nine a day yeah yeah i really like jacecki a lot i think it all depends on who's his quarterback um going into the season but i like just i like jacecki a lot i'm i am trying to buy him in every league i've only actually sold him in one league and i basically traded jacecki for evan Ingram. all right well which is which is like you yeah know, you might as well I'm, I I yeah take the risk with Evan Ingram right like if he pops off he pops off but I like Jacecki a lot I think him and Tua will form an instant bond and you know what the sky's the limit on this young offense. I agree and you know to continue with that trend of uh, you know these wide receivers that Tua is going to have I know Jacecki isn't technically a wide receiver but he does catch balls. Um, yeah. 
said. Uh, this next guy I'm going to talk about, and you think it would be Devontae Parker because Parker had that huge breakout season after everybody saying it was going to happen for six years in a row. But it's actually somebody who we only saw in limited fashion last year. But, man – Oh, man, did he impress. Uh, and that's Preston Williams. I know I kind of briefly highlighted him when we talked about the wide receiver episode for a bit, but I wanted to give him the spotlight here one more time because I just don't think this guy is getting enough attention um, in fantasy circles and really just lead why. I understand he tore his ACL. He missed the second half of the season, and it would have been nice to see what this guy would have done when the team was like playing better. I think it would have been crazy because he put up 428 yards when this team was throwing out Josh Rosen half the games and all these other fucking crazy things and losing 50 to zero in some games. So it would have been cool to see what he would have done with a talented, you know, second half push that they put on, but it will definitely be interesting to see what he does next year. I think they have a one, a one B situation with him and Parker. And I definitely think Preston has the talent to do usurp Parker at the number one spot. And if him and Tua click early, um, I think it's going to be fireworks because this team has shown they're committed to Preston because they didn't take anybody at the wide receiver position to really usurp him. Yeah, you know, I like Preston a lot. My thing with Preston is, is you know what? When I first heard about Preston Williams, I thought for some reason, before I even saw him play a game, I heard the name Preston Williams. I'm like, oh, yo, that guy's probably like five <laughs> or something like that. Like, that just sounds like a slot receiver. But no, the guy's 6'4". Yeah, well, length. you know what? And I, I remember talking to a previous guest we had on, Shaheen, about this. And Preston was his, like, number one wide receiver last year. He was telling me all about this guy, how like he should have gone to, he would have been the first wide receiver off the board if he didn't have his off the field issues. And I just kept remembering telling me stuff. And I got to, sh- I got to shout him out here because I took him in a lot of leagues because of the guy and fuck man. Like, like I really like, I didn't realize how good he was at all. Like, it sucks that he tore his ACL. What was it? Yeah, his, his ACL. ACL. After went right in the middle of a game, where in the first yeah, half, it was, like I think it was like right after. You remember his touchdown. crazy tiptoe catch he had, which was just ridiculous. Yeah. I like he got pizza, and I was like, "The fuck is this guy doing, man? My God!" Like, <laughs> I he's he's an athletic marvel. He has serious potential to be like to go buck wild this year. I think so too. I really do, and I don't. I'll talk about it later, but I'm going to preface this right now. I don't think Devontae Parker is the real deal, and I don't think there isn't a reason why Preston Williams just doesn't go gangbusters oh. and take over his job. But we'll talk about that later. All right, so when we come back, we talked about some guys that we really love. You know the drill. Now we crap on the guys that we hate. So make sure you stick around. All right, and welcome back. Let's just jump right into it. And since I already hinted, at the fact that I was going to crap on him, I'm just going to start. Let's crap on Devontae Parker for a bit. He was a flash in the pan. I'm not saying what Michael Thomas said to him was nice at all, but I agree with what he said. Look, it took him five seasons to finally put up a thousand yard season. He had nine touchdowns. Congratulations. It was also his first season where he played 16 games. Up to that point, he always missed time. I don't believe he is a true wide receiver. One, I feel like he is a fluke. I am not buying him. And if I am buying him, I am doing it dirt cheap. He is 27, almost 28. The clock is ticking on his production. And 
with Preston Williams being fully healthy, a a, a guy like Mike Jacecki ready to take the next step, I don't think Devontae Parker has it. I think Devontae Parker is a fluke. I see Devontae Parker as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three even. And don't draft him as high as he's going in startups because I can promise you he's going to let him let you down. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Parker. I'm definitely not as low as you are on um, him. I think he'll have a good year this year for sure. And then maybe that's it. Um, I think he, maybe if you're winning now, right now, I think there's some possibility of him having use. I definitely don't like him long-term. Um, I think maybe got a year or two left of this guy being solid. Um, he's already proven he's not consistent at all, um, which obviously is fearful and you know with young bucks coming up behind him and i wouldn't be shocked if miami goes all offense next draft again and um this time as opposed to going after line they get the the specialty players like i mean we know the next year's draft class is loaded at wide receiver um if preston really impresses again and Devontae slips i could see him easily being out the door and um bringing in a real uh, another you know big gigantic threat to go alongside preston williams yeah, you know what? It's it, it's not that I don't I want Devontae Parker to succeed. Don't get me wrong. If you're if you're like a first or second round wide receiver, you need to succeed in this league. Like in order to prove your stock. I want to see him succeed. But man, like the most yards he'd ever put up up until 2019 was 744. He is not a he's not a tight end catching guy or tight end catching guy. A TD catching guy. Yeah. The guy only has put up like other than the nine he put up last season, his career high up until that point was four TDs. His career year up until that point was in 2016 with 744 yards and four TDs. And you got to remember, the guy was playing beside Jarvis Landry, which should have made him better, not worse. No, yeah, I agree. I, I've i never been a big fan of him. I always thought he was overhyped. It's cool to see him finally have a good season, but I think, again, it's not going to be for a long term. Um but moving on, uh, I guess I'll stay with the offensive side of the ball. And I know I talked about Jordan Howard multiple times on the show already, but I want to shit on him one last time. Um, <laughs> um, and I promise this will be the last time I shit on Jordan Howard, except for in like passing moments. But I'm not a fan of Howard this year. I much prefer Brita over him at his reduced ADP, might I add. I mean, you can get Brita six to seven rounds later, and I think he's going to be the starter by halfway through the season. That's just my personal opinion. Um, it will be interesting to see how the Dolphins employ their rushing attack. I think they should do okay with Brita and Howard, um, no matter what, but I think no matter, no matter how you slice this, Miami's taking a running back next year. I think me and Luke both think that I think they need somebody who really can succeed with Tua. And I could see Travis Etienne going there, which would be a perfect fit. They need somebody who can really handle everything. And I don't think Brita or Howard could do that, although I like Brita more. They're both uh, pretty one-dimensional. Um, and I just think Howard Howard isn't a running back that's built for today's NFL. There are very few one-dimensional runners who succeed. I mean, Derrick Henry is an anomaly. Uh, Nick Chubb is an anomaly. Like, they're not – those are the freaks of nature. And Jordan Howard's just not that uh, – I mean, since entering the league in 2016, I mean, it's all been downhill. 1,300 yards first year, 1,100 second, 935 the third, and 525 last year. Yeah, you know what? I am I kind of like how you said with Devontae Parker, you're not as low as as him as 
uh, I am. I'm not as low as Jordan Howard as you are. I think the Jordan Howard and Burita right now for this team is the perfect combination. I think this team had so many holes to fill that drafting a running back this year just made no sense. No, I agree with you. I don't think it made sense this year, but I think they take so, one next year. Yeah, 100%. I could see a guy like Chubba Hubbard even working out for them. Oh, perfectly. easily, yeah. Um, but I really like I, I like the concept of bringing in Jordan Howard and Beretta because what you get with Howard is a ground-and-pound guy who will just pound the ball all the way to the goal line. And then Beretta is a really nice pass-catching change of pace back who can hit guys with speed. And whereas Jordan's not the fastest guy, Burita's really going to take off and burn guys. So you're going to have trouble, you know, combating both guys. I think they're the perfect combination. But yeah, they probably will draft a running back in the second round next year. Yeah, for sure. All right. And I guess it's my turn. And I got one more guy. He's offensive as well. This one's more of a no, no shit, Sherlock. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's time is up in Miami. Look, you're holding on to Tua because you know Tua's the future of this team. And Josh Rosen is there, who is young and I still think a capable uh, quarterback to play the game. I, I don't know why you would start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even if you're still planning on having a less than ordinary season, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't it. Start Josh Rosen and give Tua time to learn. Have him have the two young guys compete. Because if you run Josh Rosen and he has a solid season, then you can trade him for parts, you know? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has put up very solid seasons since 2015 when he's with the Jets. Even 2012, when he had that one season with Buffalo where he put 3,400 yards and 24 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. That was solid. But I do think his time has passed. I think it's time for Miami to turn to the young guys that they've like they've invested in where they got Rosen with the second round pick and they drafted Tua with the fifth overall pick. I think it's time to invest in the young quarterbacks. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick ride into the sunset. Maybe he goes to finally chase a ring or something as a backup, but I think it's time that we settle on young guys. Yeah. Fitzpatrick is always funny to say the least him and his carousel journeys uh, that he's been on. It's just insane. Uh, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Tennessee, Houston, New, New York, Tampa Bay, and then Miami. So he's really just been everywhere to say the least. And um, it's kind of cool when you look at it. I didn't really think about it, but I mean, he's, he's played in games every season since 2008. He's always at least played in one game since he's been drafted. Yeah, I mean, and he's played in, since 2008, he's played in at least six games every season. That's just crazy. You don't really think of him as a, <laughs> like a reliable starter, but like he, you pick him as like a quarterback three in a league, you would have had to, you would have had a lot of games out of this guy over the last 10 years. And it doesn't really seem like that. You know what I mean? He's like an afterthought and he had a decent year with Miami last year. I'm not going to lie. I was, I, he's just, he's a, He's crazy. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to do those games like he did with Tampa Bay where he threw 400 yards and, you know, 15 touchdowns or whatever randomly. And, you know, it's it's you will see spurts and stuff like that. But I agree overall. They I would like to see more of Rosen. I really would. Um, I think the guy's been done extremely dirty um, and I would like to see him be given a chance again. And if 
Tua wants the year off, then give this year to Rosen and actually commit to him this time. Don't be fucking around when you do it and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to play Rosen, but half our line is not going to protect him the entire game. We're not going to throw up a good game plan for him, and he's going to get destroyed because that's what happened last year. Oh, yeah, easily, 100%. I think Rosen should have played this season. Now, he actually had some solid games when he started. Yeah, he had some nice throws. He didn't play that good, but, like, then again, they didn't put an actual game plan in place for him. They just kind of were like, hey, yeah. go out there. We're going to let you get sacked 10 times, and Devontae Parker is your only healthy wide receiver, and good luck. <laughs> yeah, like, and you know what? I've said this before. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the type of quarterback who walks into a room somehow wins the starting job and then once he's been paid and has the starting job just goes okay i'm done with this and has a mediocre season oh. so i mean last year he had 3500 yards for 20 tds and 13 interceptions not a bad season on a losing team he got you know what he resigned and yeah you know what now it's uh and now he's just going to fall apart. Again, yeah. Like he always It'll does. be interesting to see what they do. I could not tell you what they're going to do, honestly, at the quarterback position this year. I know we want to see Tua, obviously, as soon as possible. But Tua's camp does not want him to play. I don't really know how much say they have, though, at the end of the day. If Flores wants to play him, the Tua's parents can go fuck off. Like, I'm sorry not to be frank, <laughs> but, like, um, they drafted him. Like, and it's his job. Like, if he's healthy and the team wants him to play, like, what? <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't be making forty million guaranteed <laughs> yeah, yeah. and not step on. Yeah, the right. Step. Like it's like I get it. It's a sport and stuff like that, and you want to be passionate and stuff. But dude, like it's your job, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Let's talk about somebody else who's another headache. And I'm so happy the the Miami Dolphins paid him because we fucking sure as hell weren't. And that's Shaq Lawson. I do not like Shaq Lawson. So thank you for taking him off our hands Miami this is an overrated player who we took in the first round in 2016 and has not been good since I mean he had a decent season last year it was probably his best season he had 6.5 sacks but this is a hothead too man um, there's videos out there. You can watch him yourself, but I watched him firsthand. This is a guy who runs his mouth constantly he's not a sportsman guy he's not a good character um, he's so constantly run his mouth on live tv to players and stuff like that i don't care if you talk shit but Shaq is i'm I'm just not a fan of the guy and maybe i'm i'm twisted on that because i've watched him for years and have not been impressed when i was told he was going to be this elite player uh, i was told he was going to be our 10 sack plus guy every year and i mean he barely got 10 sacks his entire career with us so <laughs> maybe i'm just a little hurt by that but this is a guy i mean i think they're they overpaid on him, but they wanted to bring in veteran talent. Hopefully he works out better for them because at the end of the day, you definitely would like to see it. And, you know, if he's like every other Buffalo Bill player in history, he's going to play like a beast now that he's not in Buffalo. Um, but I personally would avoid him. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I honestly didn't understand. Like, if you're going to sign a guy who still hasn't put up more than six sacks in a season, why not just why not re-sign Taco Charlton? Yeah, I thought Taco had a he, nice end-of-the-year stretch with them, and I, I was actually excited for them to re-sign him. And he's actually such a sneaky guy. He ended up in KC, and that could be a really good sneaky IDP pickup for you guys, Matt. Taco Charlton was nasty down the stretch last year, and I, that's a guy I think Dallas gave up on way too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, frick. Like, I liked Taco Charlton better. I think between him and who else did they sign? It was Ogba. Yeah, Ogba? Ogba? Uh, Ogba? Uh, Ogba. Emmanuel Ogba. Ogba. 
Ooga booga booga. <laughs> the, the Browns guy. Um, <laughs> but they're yeah, both yeah, like yeah. meh. That, they're, those, like, they're not. Yeah, but those are those are two sneaky signings. Uh, and you want to know something else? I need to point out really quick. As I'm on the topic of Emmanuel, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Um, did you know that if you sign this guy in Madden 20 in franchise mode, almost every season he puts up 10 plus sacks? There you go. Now, now you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the more you know. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, guys. Helping you with your Madden leagues. Um, all right. So we just crapped on a bunch of players. Thank God. Uh, this, I, honestly, that's all I can really say about the Dolphins. Those are like my least favorite signings or guys they've added or kept. Other than that, I'm pretty happy with what they've done. Uh, I'm not even a Miami fan, but I, I kind of get it. I get the hype, you know. So when we come back, we're going to give our team breakdown, and I may say some things to upset some people. So make sure you stick around. Welcome back. We are doing the team breakdown. So Kyle, why don't you take the reins and give us an understanding of the schedule for this team? Yeah, I like the Dolphins a lot this season, man. This is a team that could really do a 180. Like, no joke. I mean, I could see this team really um, going positive in the win column this season after, obviously, a tumultuous last season, to say the least, um, especially if Tua is the answer at quarterback and they play him early and often. I think that's a that's the big move. And, you know, I think they obviously need a little more defensive line help, which I've talked about, and a legit workhorse at running back. But the culture in Miami is – and that's what you're, you're looking for in these winning teams – is in place. And Brian Flores – is going to be something special. And it's exciting to now see that at least two of the teams in the AFC East have finally found the right coach. The Jets will one day get there when they finally decide to hire a good coach as opposed to hiring all these dumpster fires. But at least Miami and Buffalo have found out what good coaches look like. Um, But anyways, (laughs) uh, the Dolphins, it's not a bad schedule, honestly. Um, you got New England, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Seattle, and San Fran will be a tough back-to-back. But then they have Denver, uh, Chargers, Rams, Arizona, and Jets. I mean, those are some toss-ups. We don't know what the Rams are going to be this year. We don't know what the Chargers are going to be this year. Um, we don't know what Denver is, and we don't know what Arizona is. So that's four games. I couldn't even tell you how they're going to go. That guy, like, um, And then after that, you know, you have Jets after the bye week in Cincy. Cincy will probably be a dumpster fire this year. Um, so that should be a win for them. And then they have K. Which is the hardest game on the back schedule. Um, and then they have New England, Las Vegas, and then they close with us um, in Buffalo. So we're definitely going to smack them then. Um, I think they go eight and eight. That's my prediction. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I think they're either a fringe team or they're fighting for a wild card spot. We haven't really looked at every team so far. So I'll be able to, we'll probably do a team breakdown after this, like a playoffs breakdown after this with our final predictions, because I know I'm keeping track of everything. Um, the so I have the Jets going five and eleven. I have the Patriots going six and ten, and I have Miami going eight and eight with wins against the Jets, the Bills, the Patriots, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Rams, and the Raiders. Yeah, you know that's a good point. To recap, I have the Jets going three and thirteen. <laughs> I have the Pats going four and twelve. So huge one eighty though. When I talk about Miami, I think. The Dolphins have the perfect mix of youth and veteran players that will ultimately dismantle opposing teams with a healthy Tua. I think not drafting a running back, as I said before, was the smartest thing to do. And the tandem of Howard with the ground and pound and Beretta to change the pace will be dangerous. 
I am extremely high on this team. I think they're going 10 and 6 and competing for a wild card spot this year. I think they beat the Pats both times. I think they beat the Jets both times. I think they beat the Jags. I think they beat the Cards. I think they beat the Chargers. I think they beat the Raiders. I think they beat the Bengals. And in the upset win of the year, because Miami somehow always does it, they beat the Chiefs. 10 and 6? I don't know, man. And the I'm serious. <laughs> look, because look at this. Before New England got bad, the Dolphins always pulled an upset off them every single year. And now that the Chiefs are the new Patriots, they're going to pull an upset off the Chiefs. I'm telling you. I am telling you. I don't think they beat the Bills. I'll, I'll suck your dick on that one. I don't think they beat the Bills, but I think they beat the Chiefs. Hot take right here. You heard it here first. I don't know how I feel about that. Kansas City is probably going to repeat. That's my guess anyways, but we could talk about that at a later date. You know, I definitely think... I don't know if I don't know if I could. This is the thing. I could see this team going ten and six. I could also see this team going six and ten. I could also see this see this team going eight and eight. So this is really this is a wild card. If there's ever been a wild card, um, this is one. I have no idea what to tell you about Miami. I like what they have. I like their coaching staff. So my gut tells me this is going to be an eight and eight year. And then come twenty twenty one, this is going to be a team to not be. Like not be laughed at anymore once all of the final pieces are in place and Tua has a year under his belt, I think we'll go far away. Yeah, yo, I definitely agree with that. Let's just get into the hot takes as well while we're talking hot takes. So I'll start with mine. I think Devontae Parker regresses and only has 800 yards and six TDs with Williams coming in and becoming the wide receiver one as long as he stays healthy. I actually think Tua wins the starting job in training camp and he snaps for an impressive rookie season of 3,500 yards, 20 TDs, and 300 rushing yards. I think Kyle Van Noy kind of comes into this lineup kind of like a Lorenzo Alexander-esque deal, just a little bit younger, though, when he takes over and puts up eight sacks and 60-plus tackles in his first season in Miami. I think Jerome Baker leads the team in, tackle, leads the team in tackles with 120-plus. I think both Howard... Xavier Howard and Byron Jones make the Pro Bowl and become the best cornerback duo in the league. And this is a hot take. I think Brian Flores looks like a genius and creates a winning organization with Miami, Miami finally making the postseason, not winning the Super Bowl, but making the postseason and looking like a real threat for years to come under him. Weesh. I mean, I definitely like the Flores take. You're very high on Howard and Byron Jones, and for good reason, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if they're both going to make it. I, th- I could see Byron making it. Howard's health definitely concerns me. I love Baker, so I'm not going to dispute that, obviously. Van Noy, that that lines up as well. And I could see Tua winning the – I mean, they're not horrible takes. I could see Devontae regressing as well. I think he'll probably still put up 1,000 yards, though. You're talking about a 400-yard regression right there. I could see him clearing just 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. I mean – I, the only reason I see him aggressing is because I don't think he stays healthy for 16 games this season. Okay. Well, I guess that that's a fair point. If you put that in the mix, then I, I wouldn't dispute that because of his past injury history. Um, for my takes, um, mine kind of goes in line with what Luke is saying because I have Preston Williams going north of 1,000 yards um, for first time in his career. I think it's not even – 
unplausible. I mean, he had 450 yards in seven games with just nobody having any idea what they were doing last season. Um, <laughs> I think Christian Wilkins becomes one of the premier linemen in the entire league um, and Whoa. racks up eight sacks. Mark it down. You mark it down. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Um, <laughs> eight sacks and 60 tackles. Ooh, 60 tackles. That's a big number yeah. for a defensive tackle. Yeah, well, he's going to be playing hybrid this year. So I'm saying 60, and that goes uh, – the assisted tackles count there too, all right? I'm not saying he's going to get 60 <laughs> solo tackles. What do you think? Who do you think this guy is, Aaron Jones? I mean, uh, not Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack in one? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I honestly – and you look at his numbers last year, I really don't even think it's that realistic if he takes another step forward and stuff like that. Uh, the sacks is probably more of a reach. I think the tackles are not unplausible at all though um but if he is playing more on the edge and hopefully some of these additions help at least somewhat for him um i think tua plays eight games i don't think he starts the whole season like luke's saying um and he'll show he'll show instantly why i have him over burrow um and i think burrito becomes the workhorse in miami taking over for howard by mid-season i think jacecki has a Another awesome season, surpasses 700 yards this time and eight touchdowns. So he takes like another step forward. Um, and I think yeah. Miami becomes a, a powerhouse come 2021. And I think it will be really interesting to see because I think the AFC East is not the Pats anymore. And it's going to be Buffalo and Miami fighting for it next season. Um, and if the Patriots aren't careful, they're going to be slipping to the bottom of this division. Yeah, I actually can't argue with any of those takes. I agree that Tua was a better quarterback than Burrow. It was literally only the injuries that led to him not being picked first overall. Yeah, and I mean, and, but uh, you look at the resume, Tua. So you could. This is the thing. So Burrow had perhaps the greatest season of all time, right, at the quarterback position. But Tua had the greatest co- college resume of all time. Who do you want more, the one season or yeah. the, the career? Exactly, and you know what? I want to point something out. So you say Joe Burrow was a guy who had one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time. Well, right? statistically, Let's he talk- did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I'm not arguing that. Let's talk about some other guys who have been in that conversation in, in recent history. So we'll start with Dwayne Haskins, who, was, who had an incredible season last year for Ohio State. Hasn't really shown up yet in the NFL, but I really think he will eventually. But he hasn't shown up yet. Okay. Then, there's jo- then there's Johnny Menzel, who just never showed mm-hmm. up. Then there's... Terrell Pryor, who had an amazing season as a wide receiver, and other than that, was garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Barrett never saw like a starting snap ever, I don't think. And then uh, another one who I think everybody loved when he was coming out of college in 07, and that was uh, Vince Young, who just never got the opportunity to show it off, whether you say it's because of his own ego or because of Jeff Fisher. I always get skeptical on guys who are considered some of the best ever to play college football. Cause there is a big difference between college football and the NFL and just rallying off some of those names. Some of those best ever's don't progress well into starting quarterback. No, I agree for sure. And I, that's why, and I've said this before. I mean, you, I don't, I don't really want the guy who said the one season. I want the guy who said the whole career and the quarterback position is tough to predict. And I don't really necessarily always want the guy with the raw potential. And I think Burroughs, you look at his ceiling and you think, Holy, crap this guy could be incredible if he does this at the the nfl level but if you look at tua i think his decision making is way better 
I think he's way smarter with the ball. I think his touch is way better. I think he's he understands the game of football more, and I think that all goes back to just – his mentality and stuff like that. And I just think more people need to need to look at those things more often than just like the raw skill. Because I mean, like us in Buffalo, we got fucking lucky with Josh Allen. Most of the time, the raw big potential guy does not work out. Like, like, yeah. like we, that's, that was not supposed to be good. And when we took him, I was pissed. We didn't take actually Josh Rosen. Like, yeah, honestly, I was kind of a little shocked. You guys took Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. Yeah. As well. The fact that he fell to the a lot of the time, they don't pick. work out, dude. Like, that's look at Mitch Trubisky. He was this big project, didn't work out. I mean, and now you look at a guy like Jordan Love. That's why I'm not that high on Jordan Love. I get it. He's a he could be good, and his situation is good for him. You know what I mean? To fall behind, you couldn't have asked him to go to a better spot. Um, but even with that, it's like I don't know if I want a project. I want a guy who understands the game of football, and that's Tua. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And just to tickle to us, pickle a little bit more. <laughs> um, you know what? I think Jalen Hurts was an underrated quarterback going into this Agreed. draft. And if you're good enough to supplant him as the starting quarterback in Alabama, yeah, you know, that speaks to who well, you are. Because I think Jalen Hurts, in a couple of years, if he gets out of the Eagles situation or somehow takes over for Wentz, he pops Agreed. Up. And the one thing I will say – at least to Burrow's credit, I say all the time that the best quarterbacks you can tell are the ones who have the ability to win. It's why I never understood why um, Deshaun Watson wasn't the first quarterback off the board, um, you know, two, three years ago. And obviously I hate to bring up Michigan Bears fans, but the fact that you didn't take <laughs> Watson, after he was fresh off a national championship where he was, he literally drove the ball down the field in the final seconds of the game. Like, like he was the, yeah. the, the driving factor why they won that game. That's what you want. You want somebody who steps up to the biggest stage. And that's the one thing I will say about Burrow, like that I can't knock him at. The kid is ice cold, bro. Like when it's when the stage is biggest, he fucking shines. I also think, too, in the Burrow situation, and you can also apply it to the Tua situation, is Coach O and Saban are two of the best coaches in called agreed and right if you want to make that 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 argument too about the coaching i believe in brian flores a lot more than i believe in zach taylor <laughs> oh my god <laughs> zach taylor have you ever have you ever watched uh the bleacher report like uh what was the uh, gridiron heights thing uh yeah i watched yeah i watch those all the time yeah of course man Zach Taylor just gets crap. He looks on like a little kid. <laughs> you know what it is? Is I think he was supposed to be like Sean McVay 2.0 in their eyes, and that was just not the case. Not even close yeah. to the case. It is what it is. But, but you know what? Credit to Zach Taylor. You fluked everybody into thinking you're a NFL head coach. <laughs> Congratulations. If Jason Garrett can do it, I'm pretty sure you can do it as well. <laughs> All right. So you know what? I really like Miami, but I want to bring on a Miami fan to support my claims. So when we come back, we're going to bring on a special guest, and he's going to talk about the team. We're going to ask about specific players, situations going on with the team, and then we're going to get his Dolphins Mount Rushmore. So make sure you guys stick around. Welcome back. You know this part of the show already. We brought our next guest on. We actually found a Dolphins fan living in New York, if you can believe it. He's actually a longtime friend of mine. Joe, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm great, man. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're doing, doing right. good. 
Doing good. Thanks for coming on, Joe. I feel like I need to stay in like an Italian accent. Let's see if I can do an Italian accent. Okay. Hey, Joe, how's it going, man? You boopity boopity, bro. That's, uh, yeah, that's... That sounded a little Jamaican, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, man, we're uh, we're both big fans of the Finns this season, man. You guys have a lot of exciting stuff going on, a new regime, obviously. But the first question I want to get out of the way, and fantasy owners, he's been a nightmare for them for years, but has Devontae Parker finally arrived? Oof. See, like, <laughs> here, here's the thing. I, I've been saying for how many years he's been in the league now? Probably five years or so. Since he's been drafted, I've been saying he, he's going to be asleep. He's a sleeper this year. Go for him. You know, he's had that um, that nagging ankle and foot injury um, throughout most of his career. But this past season, he really, like, he turned it up, man. He uh, had about 12,000 yards receiving, nine touchdowns with Fitz throwing him the ball. So, I mean, hmm. if you could do that, I mean, he, he's – I, th- I think he's, uh, you know, he's going to take another step forward this year, especially if two is throwing him the ball. But, I mean, he's he's a guy that he's not going to kill you with his speed. You know, he's not like the most flashy player, but he could go up and get the ball. I think he's as good at high-pointing the ball as anyone in the league. I mean, you see him against guys like Stephon Gilmore in Week 17. He had a, like a buck 30 on him for seven receptions, and he's apparently the best cornerback in the league in a must-win game for the Pats to get that first-round by. And Parker really just – you know, he showed out, he, he did what he needed to do, and I think he's going to continue to do um, good things moving forward. I think he has arrived. In fantasy, I think if uh, – I'm trying to think. I, I think personally, just because I'm a little biased as a Dolphin fan, I'd take him as like a wide receiver two or like a very uh, high-end receiver three, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad take. Before Luke, Luke's not a fan of Javante, but before I let him get Ooh. to that, it's important that you bring up Week 17 because we talked about it earlier in the show. We were talking about how – how much that showed how far Miami came. When you think about the beginning of the season, getting blown out like whatever it was, 50 to nothing, and to see them Pats, them beat the Pats in a game that they were trying and they needed to win. Like it wasn't a joke mm-hmm. that win. It, that, got, that had to make you happy, right? On the road too. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the transformation of your team, man, it's been a crazy, right? Well, I th- here's the thing, like, I love Brian Flores. I think we finally found a head coach that we can like stand Agreed. behind and and stick to moving forward into the next. I, I hopefully ten plus years, honestly. Um, and you know, everyone said that uh, Dolphins are actively tanking, like they want to tank for Tua. You know, was the slogan going into the season. Um, and you know, they started what like zero and eight, zero and seven. Yeah, but they ended the season five and four. Like, this guy, he, he didn't give up, and, like, he, he wants to win. Like, you know, he's not the type of guy that's going to be like, oh, we're going to go out and, and we're going to tank because we need we need this player. We need to set up, set ourselves up for the future. Like, we, we did do that in a lot of the moves we made during the season with trading a bunch of players, you know, as controversial as that might be with, like, Mika Fitzpatrick and Lamry Tunsil. We stacked up on first-round picks for this year and next year. So I think, like, when you do something like that as a head coach and you could still find a way to – to end the season five and four and we started the most people um anyone's ever started in the nfl history like different starters like i think Jesus. it was like 80 something i think it was like 80 something guys don't quote me on that but it was something ridiculous <laughs> that we started and like we were able to win games with, with like practice roster dudes man like it, it, people are buying into what what he has to offer and i think he's going to be a great head coach i think the gm's doing a great job as well setting them up for the future and um getting ready to win and win very soon, I think. Agreed. Now, Luke, I will let you destroy Devontae Parker. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, so let me, let me say some good things about this team really quick. 
I really liked. Okay, so the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, everybody was kind of hesitant on. I liked the Minka Fitzpatrick trade because I believe the safety position is a very replaceable position in football. While Minka might be one of the better safeties in the league, you can draft a pretty good safety in almost every single draft class. So it didn't bother me that much. And they got a first-round pick from him, which is pretty baller. I, I don't think Minka is like a Jamal Adams. Like, he's not like a game-changer once he steps on the field. He's primarily a ball hawk, and I don't think – it really changes up their identity with him not on the field. So I was okay with it for a first-round pick. I actually – this is going to be a shocker. I really like the Laramie Tunsil trade mm-hmm. because Laramie Tunsil was about to get paid. Mm-hmm. The contract he signed with the Texans was fat. It was way too big. Um, and with all the talent in this year's draft class, getting two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil is a great haul. Plus, they ditched Kenny's – Yep. anything to that team uh, no, I agree it stills just was like eh. now let's get to Parker because I have a lot of opinions on Parker you said he finally got over his nagging injury yeah it was called mediocrity so <laughs> so you know what he looked really good last year's in, last season towards the back half once Preston Williams was out it was almost like Devonte Parker came out right but the problem yeah. is is you don't see a lot of receivers break out going into the 28-year campaign and continue to flash the same promise. A big thing is, is Devontae only blew up after being able to put up 16 games in a season. He has never done that ever in his career other than that. And when he hasn't been able to play 16 games, the most yards he's ever put up is less than 750. So... I don't know if I would trust him as wide receiver too. I've seen him go in drafts as high as like the sixth or seventh round. I don't know if I would touch him in the bottom 10 rounds. You know, I think, I think he offers um, a good compliment to Preston Williams, who I think is the future of that receiving corp. I think he's a good compliment to Mike Giusecki, who I think is a very good tight end, but being Devontae Parker himself, I don't know how much there really is left there in the tank, especially if this team decides they're going to compete in, uh, for the foreseeable future. You can't have your wide receiver one turning 30 in two years when you've decided you're going to compete with a super young core. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just tough for me because, like, you know, I'm a Dolphin fan. I, I got to stay behind my guys. So, like... <laughs> You know, but like as long as you're I think personally, as long as you're going to feed him the ball a decent amount, I think he's going to make plays like he has that ability to go up and get the ball. And I think we saw that this past season where I think he 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 mossed like a guy every game like he could go down the field. And if you toss the ball up 50 50 ball up to him uh, more often than not, I think he's going to have a good shot at getting that ball. And like the nine touchdowns definitely helped him. And like you said, I think it was the second half of the season where a lot of those stats came to fruition. Um, when Preston Williams went down with that ACL injury and that kind of pissed me off because he was like a promising guy undrafted, you know, you love to see that story. Um, but I think uh, Devontae Parker, like, I just, I think especially if you. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to disagree with you, but, uh, but I think I disagree with you a bit. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm in the middle with Devontae Parker. Um, part of me hopes that he can continue. Part of me understands that Preston and some of the newer guys are probably going to take another step forward. But we've already talked about him enough on the show. And I would, my next question was going to be about your opinion on the new regime in Miami, but I think we kind of already got that vibe. So I'm just going to jump to the quarterback position. So I got two questions for you. Tua, obviously you love the guy. I already know you, you've, you've quoted the Ross video enough times. Tua Tug. <laughs> Lulova <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he's talking about the quarterback. But um, I, I guess I got two questions for you. Is Tua the official answer? And what do you, the hell do you guys do with Josh Rosen now? So, all right, Tua – so starting with Tua, I think it's a tricky situation just with the start of his career just because, like, obviously his injury history with the, the ankle, the hip, and all that stuff um, – Obviously, that there was a lot of people in the draft that were saying, like, he might slide, blah, 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 blah. Even the Dolphins, I saw, like, a bunch of reports saying, oh, they might trade up for an O-tackle. They might trade back to get somebody else, and they weren't going to take him. I didn't really believe any of that because I think that going into this, going into the draft, they knew that that was the guy that they wanted, but they needed to, you know, throw up some smoke screens to keep everybody on their toes. But um, as far as starting week one for Tua um, – it, it's it's a toss up just because I, I don't trust our O line. Like we've had the worst O line in the league for like the past three seasons, and like yeah, we got Austin Jackson, but he's a project. You know, he's a young guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if you you throw him at left tackle. I don't think he's going to be a stud. I think it's going to take him a while to get acclimated. You know, get his feet under him and stuff like that. And then the rest of our O line is just a bunch of like mediocre players. So like, do you throw him out there with the risk of him getting injured, and then and then what? Like, you know what I mean? That will be his, like, what, fourth injury in the last few seasons. So, like, that that's an issue that I'm kind of, you know, reluctant to say, like, okay, yeah, he's hes the guy. Start him week one. He's got all the talent in the world, obviously. I mean, he throws one of the prettiest deep balls I've ever seen. Yeah. But um, as far as starting him week one, it also depends on where they, where they think the season's going to take them. If they think they have a legitimate chance to compete this year and make the playoffs, I think – if you feel like he's ready to go week one, you kind of got to go with, with that. Cause you know what Fitzpatrick's giving you, like he's going to give you a few games where you're just like, what the hell was that? How did he pull that out of his ass? <laughs> and he's going to give he's going to give you a few games where you're just like, Oh Jesus Christ, like this guy, <laughs> like this, no wonder why he's a journeyman quarterback. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it comes down to how comfortable you are with him. And um, obviously this off season hasn't been and won't be like the typical off season with like the coronavirus and everything and all the restrictions going on. So I don't know how it's going to look with like him getting acclimated to the playbook, him getting his reps in. I don't know how that's going to pan out. I guess we'll see in the coming months. But um, I think at, at first I said they should probably sit him the whole season. But now that I think about it, I think I think you throw him in at some point when you feel like you're comfortable with it just to see what he's got, just to feel it out. Hopefully, obviously, you hope you could protect the guy, but um, I think he is the future. I think they drafted him five overall for a reason. And, um, you know, I think moving forward, that's their guy. And I think him and Flores are going to, you know, be the, the face of that franchise for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I like Tua a lot. In my opinion, he was the best quarterback in this draft. Um, Burrow had a great season, don't get me wrong, but Tua arguably had the greatest career in college football history. Um, when you look at it just by the numbers, I think his touchdown-interception ratio was 8-1 to one or something utterly ridiculous like that. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, we're probably in consensus when it comes to Tua. We think he's the answer for Miami. So I guess the real question now is um, – 
do you want to see Rosen play this year at all? Or what, what do you like? I just, I don't, what do you make of that now? I mean, personally, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't think, I don't think it's worth it because if you think about it, it's not like you, you, we didn't invest a lot in the guy, right? Like no. we got him. We, we, tr- so basically we traded for him and a, and a late second round pick for an earlier first round pick. So we gave up like, a, a second round slot of like say 10 to 15 picks like to get Josh Rosen that's nothing like we got him for nothing so like I don't and when he did play he he yeah he he didn't look good like, <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest like he didn't look great you know the guy hasn't had the most ideal start to his career he went from Arizona who was a terrible team two years ago um with a terrible offensive line and he got sacked a, a ton to the Dolphins who was a top five worst team in the league last year with the worst offensive line. Like you can't really blame the guy too much. Like, but um, I don't know. I think you've got to find a way to maybe move on from him or keep him on the roster. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him, but as far as him playing, I just don't, I don't see that happening. Like I say, uh, you roll with fits until you're comfortable with throwing two in. That's what I think. Luke. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have much to add. I think Tua could honestly win the starting job just coming out of training camp. It's more so going to be, I guess, what – it sounds like his dad has a huge um, – like like a huge opinion on what the guy does with his career. I mean, like just for like an example, like Tua is a right-handed guy, and his dad made him become a left-handed quarterback Yeah, for some reason. Why? I have no idea. But, I mean, I would prefer to see Tua start week one. I think he's ready. I don't know why this team shouldn't just be about competing now because I think they have the roster to do it on both sides of the ball. And it wouldn't make sense to invest all that money in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard and if you're not ready to go boom right out of the gate. So that's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they – know what they're doing maybe they want to tank one more year and pick up one of the uh amazing running backs or wide receivers that's coming out next year who knows yeah that's true i definitely think they add another wide receiver and running back i feel like next year's draft is going to be the flashy draft for you guys it's a shame that justin ross won't be participating in it most likely um after all the horrible shit that happened to him Uh, but there's still a lot of amazing wide receivers obviously the position um Rosen is a toss up. I feel bad for the guy, man. I really do. Like, I know he's an asshole. Like, and that's like the the truth of the matter. Like, I, that everything I've seen on the guy is he's a selfish brick. So you kind of get what you sow. Um, but like, I mean, you get drafted in the first round by Arizona. They basically just throw you like away. Like what Joe? Like you said, you got them for nothing. Arizona just literally discarded him like nothing and didn't really give him any talent to succeed in his first season. Yeah, I mean, I think that was also a product of them getting also getting a new regime with King. Agreed. Yeah, and then now he's part of two regime placements, basically. But (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, we could talk about uh, poor Josh Rosen all day, but I actually I don't know if this is a sensitive topic for you because I find it sometimes sensitive for me. Like when I see guys who were on my team and then go off and blow up. Like uh, I know Robert Woods is a touchy subject for me, but is it is it weird for you to see? Guys like Kenyon Drake and Ryan Tannehill just go buck wild once they leave your squad. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be honest; it really doesn't bother me that much, just because, like, with, with 
with everything that was going on in the franchise, I understand that they, they kind of needed a fresh start. Um, you know, Adam Gase uh, and before that, like Joe Philbin and even the GM. Jesus, Jeff I forgot Ireland. about Joe Philbin. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> And even like Jeff Ireland, like their whole, their whole mantra, like, was, you know, Adam Gase, is, he, he's just a, he's a whack job. But their whole mantra was, like, make a big splash in free agency, pay these yep. guys, like, a ton of money, and hope that fixes it fixes all your issues. Like, when Dominican Sue, Mike Wallace, even guys like Danelle Ellerby back in the day, like, they just threw money at these guys. And, like, there was – it was nice at first. As a Dolphin fan, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I like you know, you get a big name, you're, you get excited. But, like, from a financial standpoint, it didn't really pan out whatsoever. So, like – even guys with like Tannehill, like we we paid him, but then we got rid of him. We dumped his contract when we felt like we could. And um, a guy like Drake, like you know, I mean, running backs are so replaceable that it ju- it just really doesn't bother me. And I felt like we needed a fresh start. It was a new regime, new head coach. You know, Chris Greer, the GM. I think he's doing an outstanding job in his first few seasons. He's been with the franchise for a long time, but um, he's only been the GM there for um, probably like four, four, three, four seasons. Um, and I feel like they just needed a fresh start overall. Like, that's why we got rid of guys like Minka and Tunsil and Tannehill and Stills and, um, you know, Drake, all those guys. And, you know, I think that we're replacing them when we need to replace them. And I think we're stacking up draft picks and trying to build a very young team. We have one of the youngest teams in the league. So I think that, um, you know, seeing those guys succeed, it's, it's, it's nice. You know, Tannehill went to the AFC championship game. Who would have thought that? I mean, it was behind Derrick Henry. Mostly, but, <laughs> yeah, um, his five throws again. You know, Ken- <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he made it th- when he needed to make a throw. He did. So it was like, you know, it doesn't really bother me because I think that we're replacing the people that we need to replace. And, you know, those guys, I wish them, you know, nothing but the best. It doesn't doesn't bother me that much. So, you know, it's not it's not that much of a, a soft subject for me. I, I've been a Dolphins fan for a long time and. It's, um, you know, there's been a lot worse things that I've had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a fair point. Um, it is exciting yeah. to see these guys though, succeed, obviously, in, in uh, greener pastures, to say the least. It's interesting you talk about the new regime cutting and uh, cutting ties with the old regime. Devontae Parker is part of that old regime. And yep. So you don't think there's any reason for this team to potentially move on from him shortly? I mean, they signed him to like a two-year deal. I think worth like seventeen. Yeah, million. something not nothing nothing astronomical, but um, it's because I think like um, Luke said before, like he was mediocre his first like four seasons. He was injury riddled, and um, but they felt like that he had the talent that if he was healthy that he could do something. So they gave him a small extension, and he went out there and he put up a, a good season. Like that's why we we drafted him to do that eleventh overall, I believe. Yeah. He was. <laughs> you drafted well, him to do that five so years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. But, like, you know, like, if, if you see promise in a guy, you know, he's got good character and you think you could build around him and, you know, bring other guys in to help him out. I, I don't see it as a bad move. And we didn't pay him a ton of money. No, so you like didn't at all. Like Top tier receiver money or even like mid tier. We gave him, like, just, you know, man money. Like, what, eight, eight million a year, probably? Yeah, 8.5 years. And then, you know, if he, get, he gets hurt, then, then we could get rid of him. But, you know, if he has another good season, then they talk again. You yeah, know? I think that's a fair point. Um, I know Luke is probably most excited about this section. Um, we like your defense, and we like a few of the young <laughs> kids on your defense especially. There's two guys I want to highlight on your defense, and we just want to hear your takes on them. First off, Christian Wilkins and then Jerome Baker. What do you think of both of them? 
So Jerome Baker out of Ohio State a few seasons ago, like um, I didn't know much about him. I know that we drafted another Ohio State um, linebacker the year before, Raquan McBillan, who um, is also solid. But, you know, his his first preseason game of his rookie season, he tore his yeah. ACL. So he didn't he didn't play the whole season. We bring in Jerome Baker and, um, you know, I don't I'm not I don't think they're like you know, like going to be anything like outstanding, like top tier linebackers. But I think they're, they're very good players that, you know, good character that um, you could build around there. Um, And I think Jerome Baker had a pretty good season. You know, he's, he's really finding his way there. And as far as Christian Wilkins, you know, he, uh, at a Clemson, he, he's, He's one of the coolest guys I've ever seen. On we love he, him. And when he, yeah, when when he went up on stage and like chest bump Goodell, I was like, Yo, this guy. like he's the man. Um, and you know, he's again, like I think he's a very solid player. I think he's going to continue to get better. I don't think he's like anything. I don't think he's like an overpowering force, but I think he's a solid D tackle. That if you get the pieces around him, like he, you, that's a that's a very good core to have at the middle of your defense with Baker at middle linebacker. Um, Wilkins there at D tackle and you bring in guys like Shaq Lawson from your bills and um, Van Noy on the edge. And we haven't had pass rush in the last two seasons, um, especially with Cameron Wake leaving that, you know, I think that if you build around those young guys, you know, they're in their second and third year now um, at the, in the middle of the defense, that's the most important part of your defense right there that um, you build around them. I think you got a solid core right there. Yeah, I really like this defense 100%. Uh, my thing with this defense is it's the perfect combination of young guys and veterans who have done things, especially the underrated signing of Kyle Van Noy. Did you pay him a little too much? Probably. Mm-hmm. But like the guy will be something. He's a great complement to what McMillan and Baker already bring to that linebacker core. And I think this team succeeds – almost right off the bat, carried by this great defense. Would it be better if they had some, you know, better edge rushers? 100%. I think they could definitely use better edge rushers. But other than that, I think this team's pretty well-rounded and ready for success. I, I agree with that. And I think I think what Flores brings to the table is that um, Bill Belichick is, like, is known for, like, unlike a lot of other um, coaches or coordinate, defensive coordinators where you, you build in the trenches – and then you you branch out like he he always solidified his secondary yep. first. So you know we had Xavier Howard, we paid him, we bring in Byron Jones. Obviously we paid him a shit ton of money. That's fine. You know he's one of the top tier um, cornerbacks in the league. His interceptions are down, but that really doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, and you know then you bring in you bring in a bunch of solid guys on the line and linebacking core. You know like you said with Van Noy, who's a proven player. Um, Shaq Lawson, solid. And you got your two young linebackers. You got a very young D tackle that's promising. And, you know, you build, you build from there. And the safety position, I think, is, is – I don't want to say it's an issue, but we, we really don't have any, like, true safety. Eric Rowe's okay. Right now. Eric Rowe on your safeties. You hear me? Oh, man. Just oh, gone uh, quiet. Sorry. Oh, no, you're connected. T- <laughs> it's only fun. <laughs> I, was, I was saying but, Eric Rowe is a decent safety. Yeah, at least you have like one okay one. Yeah, I mean he started at cornerback, but um, you know, they could transition. And then we um we drafted a guy from Texas, Brandon Jones, in the third yep. round, who I think is gonna be solid. Um 
but uh, and then that I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but at nickel uh, Noah in the late first round Noah I don't I don't I'm not even gonna try to say his last name. Yeah, but, I know um, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll two Tagliola. <laughs> yeah, two Tagliola. There we go. Was, you stick him at nickel, dude. That's another that's another young cornerback you got. You can never have enough defensive backs, and I think they're they're building this the right way. I think it's gonna take a little time for them to be like a a very competitive and good team. I think they can be competitive, but I don't know if they're going to make any crazy noise in the next year, maybe even two years. But I think, I think moving forward that we really set ourselves up well, especially on the defensive end. I agree. I have high hopes for you guys. We just have two more questions. We'll wrap things up. Luke is too high on you in my opinion, but what do you <laughs> think? What, what, what do you think your, uh, your record looks like this year? If you had to give it a number. Oh, I think it's entirely contingent on who we start at quarterback. Yeah. As um, I said earlier, you guys could be like horrible or amazing. I have no idea what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic here and say that just based on the pieces that we brought in and the direction that we're going in with the, with the head coach. And um, I think that the players finally like bought into a system that they can believe in. I think Adam Gase tried to do that when he got there, but I don't think the players, actually bought into what he was putting down. I don't I think, think players was, respect uh, him at all. I don't, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think he tries to be like this hard nosed like yeah. guy. And I, I just don't think that, I just don't think he has the, the respect of the players for them to buy into that. And I think Flores brings that, like that, that sort of figure for the players to buy in. And I think that's huge. Like culture is so underrated. Like you, if you have a good culture in the locker room Dude, and God. players respect who they're playing for, I think that's, uh, I think that's huge. So, you know, I'll go uh, just to throw out a number just based on how I know the dolphins operate. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to go, uh, I'll go nine and seven. Oh, all right. So he actually ended up right in the middle of okay. us. And it's funny. I know we get to this last question in a second, but you talk about culture. And as a Bills fan, I know about that all too well because it took Sean McDermott, who really instilled a proper culture in Buffalo, to finally fix that train wreck of a team after 20 years because we finally had somebody who had the proper culture, as you're just talking about. And once you have that in place, it's it changes everything. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's huge, and I think – that the players are just going to feed into it more and more every season. And I think it's just going to keep getting better. Hopefully this is the most optimistic I've been in like 15 years, guys. So <laughs> me me too. Me. The AC East <laughs> is up for grabs. I, I'm like shaking with excitement, man. <laughs> Luke, you want to start us off with the last question? I know it's your favorite part of the show. Yeah. It's, it's always my favorite part. So we always ended off with, we want to hear your Mount Rushmore of, greatest Miami Dolphins players to ever play. To ever play. So four four players who have ever well, played for oh, the Miami Dolphins. To be fair, it could be somebody start? who is emotionally one of the best for you. Like we had our Philly fan on the other yeah. day and he put Nick Foles as his top four because he won <laughs> he won them a Super Bowl. Dude, you gotta throw him up there. He was a backup and he won the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Come on. Um all right so top so Matt Rushmore four four players. Okay. Um, oh, uh, there's like three off the top of my head. Okay. And then there's, there's a few that are like lingering on that four spot that could go either way. So how about this? How about I go, how about I pick one from each like decade? Okay. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And whatever works. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good way to do it. So I'll go with the seventies. I think you got to go Larry Zonka fullback running back. 
the guy Hall of Famer, absolute truck, won two Super Bowls in the 70s, part of the um, perfect season, and then the season right yep. after when we repeated. Um, you know, that's when the fullback actually meant something back in the 70s, not anymore. <laughs> um, 80s, I mean, come on, you got to go Dan Marino. Of course. I never won a ring. Guy never won a ring, but statistically one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Probably the quickest release ever of all time. He retired with every major statistic, uh, statistical record at the quarterback position. Obviously, most of them got broken, but, I mean, come on. The guy retired in, what, 99, and he held, like, every freaking record in the book. Um, so that's two. And then I think I got to go with my two boys on defense, Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas, baby. I, I don't think – I don't think there's really anything about it. Jason Taylor, one of the best sack artists to ever play the game, Hall of Famer, Zach Thomas. Um, you know, I think he's not talked about enough. He, one of the best linebackers, I think, of the early 90s into the 2000s. You know, he led the league in tackles a few times, made a bunch of Pro Bowls, first-team All-Pros, things like that. And, um, yeah, I'd have to go those four. There's a bunch of other players I could throw up there, but I think just from a – a playing perspective, I think this would probably be the best for. Yeah, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. I'll give mine really it. quick. I would go, I would go, um, uh, Dan Marino, mm-hmm. Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, and a guy you're throwing a lot of shade on for not including him in his, in the list is Cameron. Oh, Wake. He, dude, he's one of my favorite yeah, players. I would have dolphin uniform. <laughs> I, I, I would say Cameron Wake may, would make mine as well. I didn't really put one together today, but I would say Zach Thomas is an easy make, Cameron Wake, Dan Marino, and then a fourth. I would just put Don Shula on there. I know not he's technically not a player, but, you know, I, you want to talk about Dolphins greats, I don't know how you can't bring him up. The most winning is coach Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if that's technically cheating, but, like, he, he's responsible for so much of the Dolphins culture. But that's going to bring us to the end, Joe. We appreciate you for coming on, man. Absolutely. I had a blast. I love talking about this. uh, We're few and far between, but, uh, you know, we love our team, baby. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man, for coming on. And make sure you guys stick around for some closing remarks. All right. And thank you to Joe for coming on the podcast today. That was awesome. We really appreciated him coming on. Uh, I know he's a good friend of Kyle. So Kyle, you got anything you want to say to Joe when he's listening to this? Ah, man, it was a good, it's a good interview, man. He definitely knows his stuff about the dolphins. Um, it's, I love hearing passionate fans and Joe shows that like through and through, man, like he knew his stuff from front to back. So it just, I don't know. I love, I love bringing on the fans and hearing insight. Cause I've talked to Joe a bunch and we've always had conversations, but I never, I've never actually really talked to him about the dolphins before. So it's just cool to get that perspective. Like, you know what I mean? Like you talk yeah, about the players and stuff like that. And obviously Devontae Parker is a touchy subject for the Dolphins fans, but uh, <laughs> that's one thing. That's one thing we're starting to realize. <laughs> These are some fair points. These are some fair points. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to listen. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on all of our social medias at Dynasty Kings Pods. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you guys later.